Welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us today. We hope that this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. And it is a This Is My Story Sunday. So if any of you have been here before for This Is My Story Sunday, we have some fantastic testimonies that lift up the gospel. And the gospel is the good news of what Jesus Christ has done, his person and his work on the cross. So we're looking forward to hearing from our first testifier right now, Sandeep. Where are you? You're here. Fantastic. We give Sandeep a huge clap now as he comes up to share. Brilliant. Sandy, would you like a pulpit? I will get one for you. Says, oh, yeah, definitely. Perfect. Good morning, church. Good to see you all. I'm actually a bit nervous. It's my first time. So when I got a call from Pastor Patrick, and he asked me, can you share your testimony with us? And I was nervous to share my testimony. But same time, I was so excited to share my testimony, but I want to glorify Jesus, what he has done in my life and what he's still doing in my life. So if anybody don't know me, my name is Sandeep Sharma and I was born in India and I come from a very nice family. In my family, mom, dad and my three sisters and my three sisters are married and I'm the youngest in the family but you can say I'm the smartest as well in my family. <laughs> so I grown up in a very strict Hindu believer family. So I was a Hindu as well. I was doing everyday praying. I was doing fasting every week. And I was doing to, going to temple, Hindu temple every day. Not because I want to do it. Because when I was so young, I was told, if you are not doing that things, your Hindu girl might be angry with you or something bad could happen to you. So it was not a healthy relationship. It was more like a fearful relationship. I can just only say now because I have a now relationship with Jesus and I can say it's a healthy relationship. I'm a healthy fearful with Jesus, not like a fearful, oh, if I'm not reading a Bible today, Jesus will angry with me. It's not about that. So... The age of 18, I decided to go abroad for my further education. And I applied for a few countries and I got a call from Ireland straight away within, I say, one week. But my parents, they were not happy with my decision because they were thinking I'm too young to move a country. But somehow I managed to convince them and landed in Dublin in 2012. So I started college and work in Cork. And everything was very new to me. New climate, new, new food, new culture, and especially very strong Cork accent. <laughs> so I was start working in a Berlin Law, sorry, and there was a Catholic church there. So after I finished my work, I always go there and sitting so long hours and hours there. The reason why I was sitting there, because I was thinking, my God, and Jesus is the same. But that time I wasn't known. There is only one God. That is Jesus Christ. There is no other God. 
So I start enjoying my freedom as a young man in Ireland myself. I start enjoying my freedom. So I start drinking alcohol. I start doing parties with my colleagues, with my friends. That was all. Monday to Friday, I was working in college. And the weekend, I start drinking. That was all about my life. And I know in my heart and soul, something is not right. But as written in the Bible, the people who doesn't believe in God, they have eyes, but they cannot see. But they have ear, they cannot hear. You know, I was the same exactly that man. So then I started working with Jara and Majala Joseph. And until that time, there was no hope in my life. There was no light. And I just messed up with my life, to be honest. I messed up with relationship, messed up with my family, messed up with my future. You can say messed up with my body because I was drinking alcohol on daily, weekly basis. That's not healthy. So I was emotionally very, very stressed about that because as a don't know, if you don't know God, you are just pursuing the worldly thing, like materialistic things, you know. And I was stressed about that. Why I don't have much... A, bank balance why I don't have a much nice car than my friends so I was trying to compare I was running a headless chicken like a race to achieve like a, I want to car I want a house I want to open my business so that all worried becoming on my head and I get emotionally like I was get stressed about that and uh, one day I was very very emotionally broken and jer invited me in a church. He said, why you not come church tomorrow? And uh, I, I said, fine, I'll just come first time in a church. To be honest, that time I wasn't looking for salvation. Because as a Hindu man, I didn't know the meaning of what is the meaning of true meaning of salvation. So I just come in church and I know Pastor Ham was preaching that day. But I didn't know that what he's talking about. Because I didn't know that who is Jesus is and what he did for us. I love the worship music. I love the worship songs. And I know there is something is there. People are so nice. I didn't see nice people like that before. So that Sunday night, I went home after work and start watching video on YouTube about Jesus. Who Jesus is and what he did for us. And then after a week, two weeks ago, I got a gift, same again, Jer and Majala Joseph Bible. So I started reading that Bible and I still remember, I said, Jer, I cannot understand what is the meaning behind. I know English is not my first language, but same time, I can read the English, but I cannot see the meaning behind it. So he said, Sandeep, just pray, pray to God, he will open your eyes. And I said, okay, I didn't even meaning that. Like open my eyes means I can see it definitely, you know. So what that mean? So I start praying about that and I stop drink. I say, Sandeep, look, because I, earlier I mentioned it was scary relationship. Then I say, if I read a Bible and stay, I will parties and drinking might be something bad happened to me. And thanks to be God, I never touch that drink again. So I started reading Bible and I, it was more and Jesus started revealing himself to me and uh, he saved my soul. Yeah, so he didn't just save my soul. He just gave me new birth and new life. There is a light in that life. There is a hope in that life. 
and I'm not running like a headless chicken to achieve a materialistic things, you know. And I know my future is a save in his hand. So I just want to say who is uh, watching that. I know we might have worries and everything in our life, but we know our helps coming from God who created earth and heaven. God bless you all. Have a blessed Sunday. Thank you. Before I tell you my story, I just wanted to um, say a huge thank you to everyone who's prayed for me and my family over the last few weeks. Um, for those who don't know, my sister passed away recently, and uh, I don't think I've ever felt such um, peace and prayer support that I felt in the last few weeks. Um, my family is doing great. Um, I've, it's just it's been such peace over the whole situation in such tragic circumstances but uh thank you so much to everyone we really really appreciate your prayers uh, but for those who don't know me my name is Karina I originally come from Latvia but for the last 12 years nearly 12 years I've called Ireland my home uh, I'm married to a wonderful cork man really 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 blessed to have in my life and we have two sons and another baby boy on the way um, so yeah, life is busy, um, but all glory to God. Um, so I come from non-Christian family, but I, I had wonderful childhood. My mom, my dad, my four sisters. Um, so I have really, really good memories about my childhood. Very happy memories. Um, and I always, I remember, I always believed in a God like since very very young age there was not really talk about God in our house but I sorry that was my little boy um, but I always knew that there was a God I remember talking to my friends you know about oh God knows all things he knows our future and I didn't know who God was you know um, and then my grandmother got saved um, so I spent a lot of summers in her house and I just happened to be there and she was like, oh, there's a ladies conference next week. Would you like to come? I was nine years of age at that stage. So I was very young and I was like, oh yeah, you know, something new. So I'll go. And it was a, a week long conference. And I remember, I really enjoyed it. I remember the singing. I made new friends and I don't remember any preaching because I was just so young, but uh, it was just the whole atmosphere and everything was just so lovely. And um, I was really touched and uh, I remember there was a huge altar call, and I did not know what altar call was. And one of my friends, she was like, oh, you know, looks fun. Let's go up the front, you know. I remember I went up front, and there was, like, you know, people praying and some people weeping. And I was like, this is very strange. What is this, you know? Um, so I don't remember any more of that. But then um, after that, I started going to the church that my granny was attending. And, um, and I got uh, really involved. I, I don't remember the the point when I got saved. I know I prayed the sinner's prayer so many times because, you know, I just wanted to make sure that I'm saved. Um, but my whole life has been a walk with God, you know, like whenever I did get saved, I know I didn't understand a lot of things, you know, and I think we as Christians, I think even at the end of the life, we still don't understand things until we, we, we will meet Jesus face to face, you know. But uh, so I did get saved at some stage and um, I was heavily involved in my church. I was probably in all the ministries because it was a small church. Um, and I loved my church. I loved the people and I loved serving God and, and everything. Um, and because I was so involved in church, God kept me from 
probably most of the things that teenagers go through, you know, like bad relationships and parties and drinking and all that kind of stuff. So God has kept, kept me my whole life and I just give praise and glory to him for that, you know, that I didn't have to experience a lot of things that youth go through nowadays and not even youth, like even adults. And that's my prayer for my children as well, you know, that they don't have to go through the filth of this world to see Jesus at the end, you know. Um, but yeah, so I was 20 years of age and I came to Ireland and I had quit my college and I didn't know what to do next. So I started internship in this church. Um, but I remember coming here, my biggest worry was my parents because they were not saved. And, um, and I was like, God, what's going to happen to them? Because, you know, I was, even though they were not Christians, they're always asking for, um, for wisdom or for if there is a tough situation, they'd come to me and ask, you know, like to, to pray for them or whatever. And I was like, what's going to happen now when I'm gone, you know? But uh, God took me out of the situation to save them, you know? And it was about two years uh, after being here. Um, my mom got saved one morning. She just went in the kitchen and she suddenly had the overwhelming um, realization of her sin before God. And she just broke down crying and, and um, you know, accepted Jesus and in her life and, and repented of our sin and then my dad a little bit later and then I got baptized and one of my nieces got saved as well a few years ago and um, so God has been really really working in my family even me being away from them um, but the biggest struggles I suppose for myself because my testimony is very short I was nine years of age and I got saved and I've been walking with the Lord since but at the same time there's a lot of inner things that we as Christians we go through and for me the biggest two biggest things that I've been struggling with is um, knowing that God has saved me but at the same time you're still trying to earn God's favor and for years I, I lived in almost not condemnation but like you know as Sandeep was saying you know like if I didn't read enough or if I didn't do this or if I said no to this you know it's like oh God's probably upset and you know mad at me even though in my head I knew it's not true but it was something that I was really really fighting with you know and and praise God that he has delivered me from that in the last three years because I've spent a lot of time reading the Bible and just really learning what the Bible says about all these things and um and because of my sister passing away, I've been thinking a lot about um, a lot about salvation, and um, she she was not a Christian. Um, she had a tragic car car crash, and she had one percent chance of surviving that car crash, but she did. So she was not a Christian. Um, she was in coma for a few days. Uh, my mom was a Christian, and she was allowed to go in to see her a um, couple of minutes every day. And my mom would be praying with her and reading scripture, and and you know, and my sister, she did give her heart to the Lord a few days before she passed away, because um, she was saying afterwards to my mom, she was like, "Whatever you were saying yesterday in your prayer, it really hit me." So she she said that she had spent the whole night asking God for forgiveness, you know. Um, but the main and the biggest thing is that she didn't. She was on the bed. She couldn't move, you know. So she didn't have the opportunity to go out there and do things to earn her salvation, because the, our um, our good works is the fruit of our salvation. It's the fruit for life. It's not the root. 
And I was always fighting with that. I was like, I know it's not the root, but I was always living as if it was, you know. And 24 hours before my sister passed away, she, um, she video, chatted me, uh, video chatted with me. And I remember she was showing off how she was able to put the bottle to her mouth because she couldn't move before that. And she was really working for days to be able to, you know, um, to put the bottle to her mouth. So she couldn't do anything. She got saved. She had maybe about two days until the Lord took her. But her, her whole hope was in the fact that Jesus died for her, that she didn't suddenly have to freak out and be like, what am I going to do? Because I'm in this bed. I can't go out there and do the good, good works to earn anything, you know. Um, it's not up to our deeds. The only deed that gets us into heaven is Jesus' death and resurrection for our sins. And that's just something that I've been thinking a lot about over the last few weeks. Um, and then another thing that um, I've been kind of struggling in the past was discontentment where I was in my Christian walk and in life in general and just constantly wishing my days away and thinking about bigger and better things and and it just was not right because you know where God puts us in he wants to use us in those situations and as well you know through reading scripture and praying and everything God has really opened my eyes to the beauty of the place where he puts us in you know I'm stay-at-home mom I have a four-year-old a year and a half old and I'm nearly 30 weeks pregnant, you know, so life gets very busy and sometimes very tough, but there's so much joy in the little things, you know, of life. Um, so all glory to God about all these things. And um, I just want to talk to maybe there's one person here or whoever listens online. If you think, maybe you think, oh, I'm a good person, you know, I don't have these big sins, you know, and I'm, I'm good with God. When I became Christian, I was nine or 10 years of age. I didn't have big sins to repent of as well but the bible teaches you know that we are born with sinful nature inherited from our great grandparents adam and eve um so before god without jesus's sacrifice there's not a chance that we can enter heaven no matter how good we think that we are but jesus opened the way for us to enter into his presence and not only after we pass away to be with him for eternity one day but even here on the earth just to live every day for his glory and um, and for his praise so um god bless you that's all i have thank you one of my beautiful daughters-in-law karina thank you that was wonderful um yes um greetings to cork church and all those online um, it is a joy, I have to say, forget the nerves, but it is a joy to be able to share my testimony today. Um, when Pastor Patrick was sharing um, at the opening of service about not forgetting the benefits of God, all the benefits of God. And um, my story is this. I grew up in Kilkenny in the Midlands. Um, family of 10, five brothers, one sister, mom and dad, and granny lived with us. And um, like most people, you know, would share, we had a wonderful, happy family. Our dad provided. He worked in Smittick's Brewery for about 30 years, and um, he always provided, gave us the very best. Um, we lived in a small house just on the outskirts of the city, 10 of us in the house and hunting dogs. And it was, it was, you know, it was full, but wonderful. 
And um, I remember through my teenage years, there was always this sense of searching and seeking. I knew there had to be something real in life, something true. And there was always that longing and that search in my heart. And I remember um, the, the biggest joy for me in my teenage years, and I lived for the love of my life, was sports and gymnastics. And I always dreamt that one day I would represent Ireland in the Olympics. But it never happened. One day we will. I'll, my, do- my granddaughter, Katie, will do that. Um, but I, I, loved, I was very happy. But again, this searching and emptiness within. So as you do as teenagers, you get into music and image. And I remember going through the phase of being in the ska music and the punk music, the skinhead, yes, skinhead, the Doc Martens up to here. And, um, you know, just to fit in, you know, and just, I didn't know anything else. So you were you just, you know, got caught up in that whole genre of music in the early 80s. And I remember, um, I remember doing this course that I really knocked the door down to get on this course because they only took eight girls in for a whole year. But when I was finishing up that course, my tutor said to me, you've been chosen to go to Limerick. And I, I remember looking at her and saying, I do not want to go to Limerick. Nobody wants to go to Limerick. You can't even get a bus to Limerick. There was one bus on a Saturday that went, you know, from Kilkenny to Limerick. And if you missed that bus, you were stuck for another week. And, uh, and I pleaded and she said, no, the employer really wants you. And, um, and I remember she looked at me and one word she said kept ringing in my ear. And she said, it will be a challenge to you. And as a sporting enthusiast, that word challenge was what registered with me. And I thought, yeah, I'm up for the challenge. I'll do Limerick three months. I, I'll survive, you know, Limerick City for three months. Back in the early 80s was dangerous. <laughs> but I remember, I remember the day leaving home. And I, I remember my mom and dad brought me down to Limerick, drove me down to Limerick. I was 20 years of age. And I, all I can remember seeing was my brother, Larry, and James, my two older brothers, at the door of the house, crying and weeping, and everything in my being, I didn't want to go. But I thought, you know what, it's only three months, and it's only Limerick. It's not like I had to go to India or Latvia or, you know, travel abroad. But, um, yeah, my mum and dad brought me down, and that was the start of my journey. And in Limerick, I knew nobody I remember 20 years of age in my room crying, being fearful, panicky. I just, you know, I just didn't, I felt a sense of being lost and empty. And I, I just wanted to get through these three months and go back home to Kilkenny. And I didn't even know what I wanted to do. But I remember going into this coffee bar in Mallow Street. And it was a Christian coffee bar. And it was the first time I felt, you know, I can sit in here and be safe. And I was so welcomed. And they just chatted to me, shared the gospel with me. And I remember as a Catholic kid, I remember thinking, I know all this. Everything you're telling me, I know all this about Jesus. I grew up hearing about Jesus. But yet I, I didn't know him like they knew him. I knew they had something real and I knew it was living in them. And there was a joy in them. So they gave me 
a New Testament Bible, which I had never read the Bible in my life as a Catholic kid. For me, the four corners of my bed were Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Bless this bed which I lie upon. And anyone that grew up in Catholic background would know what that prayer was. From, and that's all I knew. There were the four corners of my bed. I didn't know the Gospels. I didn't know the Bible. And um, I took that little Gideon Bible home, and I, it was on my dressing table. And I never opened it for about three weeks. And then one morning, I was down working. I just got up that morning, and I was making porridge. Now, you say, why does she, why does she have to get the porridge in? What, what difference does that make? But I heard the voice of God call me as clear as anything that morning, and it was so such a clear command. I remember looking out the window and thinking, is that the gardener? I was in this great big house, beautiful big house, but yet I knew it wasn't an audible voice. It was... A, a prompting, a strong, a strong prompting, and I knew it was God, and it was so clear, and it was, and He said, "Now is the time to get your life right with God." I knew I could not wait for that porridge to cook, so I put that to one side and I turned off the hob, and I went into the living room, and this is where my journey started. I remember as a Catholic kid, only ever knowing repetitious prayers and doing what I've always strived to do to please God and earn God's favor, and knowing I could never, never reach that mark. I knew everything in me would never please God, and no matter what I did, I knew I couldn't. And I remember going into that room, and I fell on my knees, and for the first time ever, I cried out a prayer from the heart that was not a repetitious prayer. And I said, God, if it's true what these Christians are telling me in the coffee bar, that you are real, that you exist, that you know me and you can hear me, God, I give my life to you. And I pray, God, you would take this emptiness within me and this dark void that has no end. The emptiness I felt was so real. And I remember weeping and I said, God, come and fill the void within me. And I'll never forget it. I was on my knees and I felt the presence of God stirring from the depths of my being. is deep. I, I can't even find words to explain it. But it was deep and it just came up from within. This filling, this joy. And I remember on my knees saying, God, I know this is you. Because the first thing I noticed, the first thing that struck me was the fear that had gripped me was gone. And a sense of peace and joy had welled up within me. Now, I didn't truly understand it all. I didn't understand what had happened, but I knew this was a divine encounter with God. And I knew it was real. And I remember closing my eyes and I put my hand up and I said, God, this is you. This is you. Now, you have to remember, I'm a Catholic kid from the Midlands. I know nothing of evangelical church or Christian faith or nothing. And nothing outside of the Catholic church, I had no clue. And I remember thinking, because all I knew was what I'd been, I'd been taught, and I thought, if I open my eyes, I was so convinced. 
If I open my eyes, I am going to see the Lord in all his glory standing in front of me. I'm, I'm, for the first time ever now, I'm going to see an apparition. This is it now. I've made it. I can tell them all back home in Kilkenny. And I remember opening my eyes, convinced I'm going to see something now. And I remember looking out this great big window and looking down on the gardens. And it was like time had stood still, the peace it was the first time I noticed, really noticed, the gardens and the plants and the flowers and the life. And it was just a, the most perfect, still, beautiful moment. And I remember saying, God, this is you and the joy. And I left, before I left the room, I closed my eyes and I said, Lord, I have to go to work. I have to work for the day. But I know this is you and I know this is your presence and I honestly, as clear as anything, I just saw streams of water, torrents of water. It was just white. The water was like white rapids, you know, that white water rapids. It was so, just volumes of water. That's all I could see, nothing else, just water. And this sense welling up within me. Well, I left that room and I went in to continue on my day. But all that day, I knew God was with me. I knew this was real. And I, was, I, I couldn't wait to finish work. I thought, I want to go to my room. I need that moment alone. I need, to, I need to know if I can truly have that same encounter and know the presence of God. And I remember walking up to my room that evening. And like a child, I didn't know anything else. I just said, Lord... Remembering the, the New Testament book that was given me, I said, Lord, if it's true that this book is yours, I want to know. That's all I prayed. And I remember as I put my hand on the handle of the door into my bedroom to go over to my dressing room for the first time ever to pick up the New Testament book, the Spirit of God revealed as clear as anything, John seven thirty seven, And I remember scrolling through the pages to find John 7:37. That's all I knew was John 7:37. And I read it and I'm standing in my room and I read for the first time ever the gospel. And it's this. On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, "Anyone anyone who is thirsty may come to me." Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. And when he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. I stood there in my room with my Bible in my hand and I said, Lord, this is what happened to me this morning. This was your Holy Spirit coming into me. And filling me, revealing yourself. I was so overjoyed. I was reading, I would say, about four hours. I couldn't leave this um, little Gideon Bible down, this little New Testament Bible down. The excitement, it became life to me. It was as though the Lord was speaking directly to me. And I remember, I, I had never been in a church, a Christian church, anything other than the Christians in the coffee bar. That was all I knew. And I remember after about two hours reading, I remember standing in my room and I was like this. And I just cried out and I repeated about five times, my God, I'm free. 
my God, I'm free. I knew the burden and the guilt of sin was lifted off me, that Christ had taken it. I read right through John's gospel and the spirit of God just revealed the love of Christ, his forgiveness, how he took my sin, how he met with me, how he filled me with the Holy Spirit that day. I was all lit up. I couldn't wait to go back home and tell everybody in Kilkenny. And um, I did. I was very excited. And I remember... Um, I'll just finish very briefly here. I just remembered it, you know, every evening was my prayer time. I, I just look forward to it every evening. I said, Lord, I know you have something for me today. And every time I, I opened up the scriptures, it spoke to me, it spoke volumes. And I remember saying to the Lord, so childlike, I said, Lord, you know me better than I know myself. And it makes perfect sense to me that you have the best for my life that you will direct my path, that you will lead me, that you have the right husband, the right man for me, the right husband, because I don't know where I'm going, how long I'm staying here, what I'm doing, I just don't know, so I'm trusting you with my life and that wonderful scripture in Proverbs about trusting the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your path. And that was my life long verse to trust in the Lord to not try and figure it out in my head but he will lead me and I went to I remember telling the Christians in the coffee bar and they were all excited and they said you've got to go you know meet other Christians and go to Bible study and um, you will grow in your faith and you'll meet others well my first night I remember meeting my wonderful husband I remember walking in. Now, I wasn't even looking for a husband. I had my newfound relationship with the Lord, and I was so excited. But I did prayer. My my first prayer request was, Lord, you have the right person for me, and I'm giving it to you. Because I could not trust myself. I was so disappointed and left let down and brokenhearted when I left Kilkenny. And I knew God had, had a plan for my life. And um, I'll never forget that night when I met my husband, Nick, Um, and he was in Limerick for three months, and I was in Limerick for three months, but I stayed on because the Lord had better plans for me, and I stayed on there in fellowship with Christians and grew in the Lord. And um, just to finish, you know, that is my story. God saved me, but what is your story? And let me just leave you with this Bible verse. This, This was on my heart, and I want to leave it with you. You have a story waiting to be told. And um, in 2 Corinthians verse 6, the Lord says, "For for he says, the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is is the day of salvation. Now is the acceptable time. Do not wait another day, another hour, another week, whatever. Now is the time to get your life right with God. Today is the day of salvation. And um, he will never disappoint. He's got the very best for you. He loves you. And all he asks is that you would come and put your trust in him. And he will lead you. Don't try and figure it out. Christ will lead you and Christ will be your provision. He'll be your all in all. Thank you very much. Amen.
Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, all of you that give testimony for the Lord this morning, particularly you, my dear wife. And um, I've been greatly blessed. I hope you've been blessed to hear these people's stories. These are true. We call them testimonies because they testify of something. The truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. And there's volumes more in everybody's testimony. I remember uh, before I went to Limerick, um, I had left home as well. For the first time in my life, I'd been, I was an apprentice electrician and I was away from home. And, and first time really, really, really being tested as a Christian, being on my own, where I sneakily started to go to the pub because that wouldn't be our custom in our Christian families. So we're not, we're not, you know, not people that do those sort of things. And uh, started, you know, I became a little bit of a house angel, street devil. So when I went back home, I was all goodness and sweetness and light. And I went back out the country where I was working. I was a little bit more suspicious. And I even ended up, ended up in a relationship myself. Very brief. It was only about a week long, but it wasn't at all healthy. She was married, and uh, uh, but the marriage was falling apart. And I remember, um, I remember the Holy Spirit convicting me. So, so, how did you end up in that sort of situation? I mean, it was so far from what God would want with me. And I remember simply coming to the Lord one evening and saying, God, that, that, I'm, I'm handing it all over. I'm ending this immediately. I'm ending it before it gets started. I praise God it never really got started. But it was going that direction, a very dangerous direction. And I, and, I, and I was terribly fearful because at those times, back in the early ages, very few Christians. I mean, you, you just didn't know where you are going to find a husband or a wife. And it looked really, you're going to be celibate the rest of your life. You know what I mean? That wasn't very good prospects to an 18-year-old, you know. And, um, and I remember saying, Lord, if that's my lot and I'm not to marry, and I'm certainly not going to do the wrong thing. And I laid it down. And I estimate, in my humble estimation, the day I let that go... And the day I trusted the Lord of my future, I believe it was the very day my wife got saved in Limerick because we tried to coordinate the times. And we think it was nearly, it was nearly to the day that I laid down my hopes for my future to try to make myself happy to find a woman of my dreams and trusted the Lord and God saved someone a hundred miles up the road, um, you know, remarkably. And it's amazing how all things work together for the good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So if you're watching, young person, listening this morning, trust the Lord in all your ways acknowledge him. We are going to close the service with the breaking of bread this morning. I had a message prepared. I don't need to preach that. I can keep it for another Sunday because I think we've heard so much of an exhortation from God's word. So the ushers, worship team are going to come. Ushers are going to come serve you very shortly. They'll do that socially distance. You remain seating and you might just keep on to the emblems until we are ready to come around the table of the Lord. The reason I want to break bread is, uh, is simple because this is one of the most precious um, portions of Christendom. The communion, the breaking of the bread. The word communion means implies a deep, intimate relationship with God in the spirit. It means um, coming to commune with God, to relate to God in a very, very deep manner. And then in the in the in the breaking of the bread, this is one of the two ordinances that Jesus has left his church. When we talk about ordinances, these are things that God has ordained for the church to do in perpetuity. You know, one was water baptism, which we're going to be doing at the end of the month. And uh, for all believers, that's very, very important for you to go to the waters of baptism. Not to save you, but it is an, it's something that Christ has asked of you. And it's a public declaration of your faith. And I think a wonderful time as well, because you meet with him in a special place at baptism as well. And the other was the breaking of bread. 
And in the breaking of bread, it's a memorial service. It commemorates, it looks back. It's to, it's to immortalize within the life of the church as long as we're here on this earth. The understanding of what a great salvation we have. You see, when I grew up, I came, like too, I came from a fantastic family, mom and dad, amazing, amazing upbringing, and I have absolutely nothing but wonders to speak of my upbringing. Uh, and the, the incredible sacrifice that my father and my mother uh, did to, to give me the start in life, put the food on the table. My, my dad was, again, a great uh, man to provide for his family, and my mom, a tremendous woman of God and mother. And uh, now I, I'm a father myself and a grandfather, but so easy I forget the cost of my childhood and my mom pushing us into the world you know rearing us she said we took all the calcium from us she had 10 of us <laughs> and uh, ran her down ran her health on and, and we say that in jest but I forget the great love at times as a son and the sacrifice that my mom and dad uh, did for me it's a sobering thought isn't it we, you know and it's natural we have our families we, we you know, my own children are slowly forgetting their mom and dad because they have to concentrate in their own families there's only so much emotion and strength you have to be as as a uh, panoramic in your thinking as you'd like to be but you know what uh, when it comes to the breaking of bread it's god the father said i know how forgetful you are you forget your moms and dads so easily but i won't have you forget my son and that's why the breaking of bread is here because we can move on with our salvation so easily we can walk in the benefits of the cross we can walk in the benefits of the of the tortured body of jesus without little remembrance or little appreciation of the price of salvation and so the breaking of bread is that portion that sacred time that christians do on the commandment of christ and of the father to remember what salvation salvation is not based upon some just sort of emotionalism in the heart of god just because he loves you that love cost him that love cost him friends the price that we can stand in the presence of god was enormous it was not a light thing and i want us to consider that as we as we break bread this morning as we close out the service that these people that stood before you i that stand before you and others we stand not because of what something that we done but something that was done for us someone that stood in the gap for us someone that bore our transgression our sin our evilness our wicked thoughts our wicked behavior our stinky attitudes our deceptions our immoralities our violence our angers our gossips the putridness of the thinking that sometimes friends would cause you to be red-faced if others were to know it and yet God knows it, and yet he sends his only begotten son. No matter how much I speak this gospel, for me it never tires because I think it's such a great salvation at such a tremendous cost. I'm saved today, my wife is saved today, not because of anything that we've done, but because of what Christ has done for us. Actually, can you come to me after? Thank you. I have no place to put it, Andy, that's why. <laughs> Thank you. You can put it somewhere I can get it. I don't mind even that. Thank you. The cross, friends, stands above everything. It is God's solution. The price that was paid for your salvation. In Israel of old, in the past, they had the temple and they had the 
tabernacle in the desert and under the Mosaic covenant, they would slaughter a beast and the blood would be put and brought in before the Holy of Holies. And uh, that was an event called Yom Kippur, a day of atonement where blood was shed for the sins of the nation. It was never a pleasant sight. A boy at the age of 12, a Jewish boy, could go with his father. They could go into the temple later on, but in the early days they could go into the east gate of the tabernacle. And the very first thing that that little boy of 12 saw when he held his dad's hand as he walked into that tabernacle area, the very first thing that he saw was a not, it wasn't a pleasant sight, it was a bloody horror. He saw those priests caked with blood, slaying the animals, putting them on the sacrifice, taking the blood, bringing it into a holy place, bringing it before God. It was a horrific sight, an actual fact. It was the first sight for that boy to experience, and it was to communicate something to him. That in the eyes of a holy God, sin does matter. Sin is catastrophic. Sin is devastating. Sin destroys you. Sin destroys me. Sin destroys everything that's righteous and holy in you and in others and in the world around us. And so that was, that was the confrontation to show these, this young boy that God is holy and sin is horrible. But there was going to be a blood that would be shed that would take away the sins of the world. And so on that sacrifice and the allegory of that sacrifice, they understood that something was going to come and replace it. That's why all those years later, John the Baptist on the side of the Jordan River, when he saw Jesus coming, he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And the Bible says it wasn't with the perishable things like silver and gold have you been purchased with, but with the precious blood of Jesus. The animal sacrifices under the Jewish custom of Yom Kippur was an atonement. The word atonement means to cover. It means just literally to cover over the broken parts. It didn't take it away. All it did, all it did was disguise the reality that lay underneath it. It would be like someone scraping your mother's beautiful mahogany table and not knowing how to fix it. So they would get some piece of lace and they would cover the table with lace and it would look nice. But if you took off that nice linen lace, you'd see this big scratch or this big mark. And that's all this, all the blood of animals. All they could do was cover temporarily, put some sort of religious mask over it. But you see, friends, behold the Lamb of God that doesn't cover your sins, takes away your sins. And that's why we come around to the Lord's table this morning. Because for our salvation, friends, it cost him everything. These men and women that stood here before you and talked about the goodness of God, the goodness of God flowed through them because of the basis that Jesus paid the price for our sins and what an awful price he paid. Lest I forget Gethsemane, lest I forget thine agony, Lord, lest I forget thy love for me, lead me to Calvary. Let me read you a scripture as we consider this morning, as we come and commune with God. Who has believed our report? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we would desire him. 
He was despised and rejected of man, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And he hid, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Ah, but surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we see, esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to our own way. But the Lord God laid upon him the iniquity, the sin of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. As a sheep before its shearer is silent, he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare to his generation? He was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken. When we look at the cross, friends, it's a bloody horror. The spotless Lamb of God bearing our sin in his body on the tree. It wasn't that God says, I'm just going to love you anyway. I don't care about sin. I don't care about your transgression. I don't care about your failure. He says, no, I do care about them, but I'm going to pay for them. I love you so much. I don't want one hair of your head to perish. So my only begotten son will take to himself the punishment that should have been yours and should have been mine. Would you bow your head this morning as you hold those emblems there? And would you just talk to the Lord in your heart? And would you just say, Jesus, I have forgotten the good of my parents so many times, but I, today I want to remember everything that you have done for me. The rejection, the betrayal, the beating in the praetorium, and then those hands that were pierced, those feet that were pierced, that head that was crowned with thorns, that sword that pierced your side. And I thank you this morning that you have been so kind to me and so good to me in the giving of your life so that I could be made free. And so, Father, as a Christian this morning, Lord, I come around your table, the table of the Lord. Lord, and we, we are so grateful, Lord God. We are so thankful, Lord. Lord, had you not went to Calvary, Lord God, my wife wouldn't be here and I wouldn't be here. And Lord, these precious souls wouldn't be here, Lord, because you went to Calvary, Lord, you endured the cross, Lord. You paid for salvation. We worship this morning. Hallelujah. We worship you this morning, Father. We bless you, Jesus. Come on, just tell the Lord you love him this morning. Thank you, Jesus. For I received from the Lord that which I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance. It's a memorial. We're not eating the body of Jesus. We're remembering the brokenness of our Savior. In remembrance of me. Would you take this morning with me in remembrance of the Lord?
And in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you remember, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's partake together and love the Lord together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, stand with me, church, this morning. We're going to worship. We're going to worship. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to worship him just in one song. Raise your hands in thanksgiving to him. If you haven't given your life to the Lord, you heard it so many people say, today is the day of salvation. Today is your day to give your life to Jesus. Today is your day to repent. Today is your day to bow the knee. Today is your day to surrender. Today is your day to white, raise the white flag. Today is your day to stop kicking against the goods. Start arguing in your heart. And then today is the day for you to open up your heart to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. This is your day. This is your day of salvation. This is where your story can begin. An old story that needs to die can die now, but a new story can start. A Christ in you can become the hope of glory. All because of Calvary, all because of the breaking of bread, all because of the love that he showed for us going there, bearing in his body the terrible consequences of our sin, but he did it gladly. Nobody takes my life from me. I lay it down freely. Hallelujah. Give your life to the Lord. Give your life to Jesus. Ask him to forgive you right now. Say, Jesus, forgive me. Jesus come into my life you need to say it not just think it you need to say it you need to speak it out to him forgive me come into my life set me free give me the Holy Spirit make me a Christian turn my life around I give you what's left revive it restore it resurrect it from the dead Lord whatever is left I give on to you my life is going to be given in perpetuity and service to you Lord the rest of my life I'm a Christian man I'm a Christian woman give your life to the Lord worship the Lord remember the cross preach the cross stand on the cross and don't be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for this is the power of God for true salvation for every man that believes hallelujah thank you for tuning in with us today Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website. It's www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and we will see you next time.